God has been speaking to many of you over the past 40 days, thereabouts. As we have been in a 40-day challenge of going into the Word for 40 days, taking just a chapter a day, finding that one single truth that God gives us in that passage, writing it down, zeroing it out, and trying to align our life by that. And here's the reality, and you can mark it down and challenge me on this if you want to, is that you cannot go with God and stay where you're at. God's going to move. He's going to change. He's going to rearrange. He's going to morph your life. He's going to change your life. But if you are the kind of person who says, you know what? God, I'm in control of this ship. I'm in control of my life. And God, I will let you in when I want to. Then you're not, you're not the way you ought to be. I'll just put it to you plain and straight like that. You need to lean in and let God be God and you be the creation, the created one. Instead of you trying to be God. And let God begin to move and shape and morph your life however He will. And God speaks through this ancient yet timeless book. That's why for 40 days, and it'll be end of 40 days this week, that's why we've said take a chapter a day. Now, I, I'm not going to ask for a survey of how many of y'all completed it, all right? All right, I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to say many of you started it. Some of you hopped, skipped, and jumped through it. Don't give up on yourself. Because I know a lot of you, because I asked you this a few weeks ago, 14 days into it, I said, how many of y'all in 14 days have heard God speak to you in some manner? You know what you said? We tallied them all up. This is what the survey says. 86% of you said in 14 days of reading the Word, God spoke to me. Why do we do this? Why do we get into this book? Why do we take this challenge? So that we'll hear God's voice. And so we'll adjust our life to His voice. Hearing His voice is one thing. But now my question to you, how have you adjusted your life to this? How has God rearranged the furniture, the attitude? Has there been a sin that you needed to confess that you've been carrying with you through life? Has there been a command that you needed to obey? Has there been an example you needed to follow? Has there been an attitude you needed to change? What is it in your life that God has spoken to you about? And how have you dealt with that? How have you adjusted your life? Because here's what happens. Now listen very carefully. There's two sequences of what happens. When you hear God speak, one of two things are going to happen in here. One, you're either going to doubt or you're going to believe. You're either going to have fear or you're going to have faith. You're going to say, okay, I'm in with you, God. I want to make that change. Or you're going to go, I don't know that I want to do that. I, 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 I don't really think that's God. Surely God wouldn't say that. Surely God wouldn't want me to forgive that person. Do you know how bad that person has treated me, has abused me, has neglected me? I, God would never want me to forgive that person. And we'll struggle with that in our mind. And we'll make God's will some kind of mystery out there. Listen, let me say, say this to you. It's God's will for your life is not a mystery issue as much as it is an intimacy issue. You need to get that down, big, plain, and straight. In John's uh, gospel, this is what Jesus said in chapter 10. He said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. There's an intimacy factor there. I know them, they know me, and they follow me. My question to you, How's the intimacy of your relationship with Christ? What has He done? 
And when God brings together circumstances and he brings together godly people in my life that start speaking truth into my life, and when God, when God brings a verse or two or three into, in, into, my, into my, I begin to take note. When God starts bringing those circumstances that start shaping you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, speaking to you, prompting you, listen, all I can say, lean in. Don't push back. Lean in. Believe, don't doubt. What's, what, what kind of sequence are you in right now? Because the second one is ignore or adjust. Are you going to ignore it, what God says to you? Or are you going to adjust to it? Now, some of you, again, because of the challenge, because of I don't want to do that. I've said all along, read one chapter a day, write down one statement a day, and realign your life to that one statement. That's been the challenge all the way along. All of that is calling you to change. You're going to see in our memory verse that we're going to focus on this week. It's going to be about change, about doing what God speaks to you about doing. This is the way it's been since the beginning of time. Noah wouldn't have ever built a boat had he not adjusted his life. People were laughing at him for building a boat. Moses went from standing on one side of the desert shepherding sheep to standing in front of Pharaoh asking for my people to be let free. David left the sheep to become a king. Amos, in the book of Amos, left the sycamore tree to preach to Israel. Jonah left his prejudices behind to go to Nineveh. Peter, James, Andrew, James, and John left fishing business to follow Christ. You see where it goes. Matthew is a tax collector. He left the table behind. He came out from behind the table and started following Jesus. And the list goes on. Finding your Bible, the book of Genesis. You shouldn't get lost in this one, okay? If you get lost finding Genesis, just go to the beginning again, all right? Go to the beginning and you'll find it. Uh, Genesis chapter 12. We're going to be there and we're going to look at a guy named Abram and how God called him, spoke to him. And when God spoke to him, he called his life into an adjustment. So let me just tell you to put on your seatbelts today and to get ready because what God may call some of you to may be really really big business. For others of you, it's not so much big business as it is a change of attitude. It could be a change of job. It could be a change of career. That's pretty big business. So whatever it is along the, along the spectrum of life, wherever God is working there, listen and lean in and adjust your life to whatever that may be. Now, Abram is one of many of the patriarchs that we have in the, in the early part of Genesis. And, and in Genesis chapter 12 is where it's kind of another, a whole other book in the book of Genesis. And we have a history with God, okay? God established a, 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 Adam, a covenant with Adam, a marriage covenant. And through that marriage covenant, every time there was a covenant established, there was, there was something given to symbolize that. When Christ went to the cross, he gave himself to establish a new covenant. All right? That's an example in the New Testament. You come back to Adam. You have an example of Adam. What did Adam get? He got a woman. That's a pretty good deal, right? Uh, well, Adam got a woman out of the deal. Uh, Noah, going along, look at Noah. And Noah, what did he get? He got a beautiful rainbow. That sealed that covenant. All right? Abram, can you imagine Abram now? I mean, he's got the history we got. I mean, he got a woman over here. He got a rainbow over here. What am I going to get? He got circumcision. He got the short end of the stick on that one for sure. Some of y'all will get that on your way home. Take your Bibles and look in Genesis chapter 12. 
This is where the relationship really begins with Abram, who later become Abraham, so you'll see me mix that up constantly. So now the Lord said, now you can't miss it there. I mean, the Lord said, all right, he's speaking to Abram, go from your country, from your kindred, from your father's house, the land that I will show you. There's a, such a powerful calling in that one verse. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so that you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and, and him who dishonors you I will curse and in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So here's what Abram's response was. So he went. As the Lord had told him, Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years of age. Now listen, don't ever give God an excuse that you're too old, too young, too skinny, too fat, too uneducated, whatever the case may be. He's 75 years of age. He ought to be looking for a convalescent home. And instead, he's moving out with God. And oh, when he departed from Haran, and, and Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, so his nephew, and all the possessions that they had gathered and the people who acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, to the oak of Moriah. At, the, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now, he's going to the land of Canaan. The Canaanites are in the land, and to this day, they're fighting still over that land, and whose land that is. Just watch the news, and you can find out about that. They're fighting to this day. Then the Lord appeared, there's a theophany that happens here, to Abram, and he said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. When God speaks, and He speaks, spoke to Abram, He spoke to all the patriarchs, He spoke to all the people that I just listed throughout the Scriptures, and we can go on and on, and even 86% of you in 14 days of being in the Word, you testified, not me putting it in your mouth, but you testified that God spoke to you. So what do you do with that? And as I challenge you not just to go 40 days in the Word, I want you to go the next 40 days in the Word, and after that, go 40 more days. In fact, go 40 years in this journey on. Keep that journal and fill it up and fill it up again and fill it up again. And let God continue to speak to your life. But what do you do with it? There are three questions I think we need to ask ourselves when God speaks. One is, what has God said to me? That's a simple question. I don't want to so, to dumb it down here, but it's really a simple question that you need to wrestle with and you need to be able to jot it down. I've always said this, that the palace of ink is brighter than the brightest of memories. It's not original with me, but just the idea that writing it down. Thoughts disentangle themselves when they move from your lips to your fingertips. So write it down. If God speaks, it's worthy. If God Almighty speaks to you, write it down. That's why we gave you journals. That you would write down what God has said to you. And hone in on that. Because listen, there's going to be some dark days when you start implementing this. There's going to be dark days. Why do I say that? Why am I negative about that? Because this is spiritual warfare. You haven't been doing God's will in one area of your life. Is Now God has said, hey, you need to do this in, in this area of your life. 
Or maybe it's just an evolution of, of God's will in your life. You haven't necessarily been out of God's will. But the fact is that God's moving here. Satan's going to counter move. He's going to send you into dark days. There's a life principle for you. Never doubt in the dark what God has revealed in the light. What you need to do is you need to write it down. What did God say? And then when you find that chapter and your verse, you put it beside it. And you hang on to it. And you get accountability partners around it. Because you're going to feel like giving up, throwing in the towel, cashing it all in. And I want us to just lean in on Abram. I want you to see what all Abram was asked in verse 1. Abram heard from the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, what did he tell him? He says, go from your country. That sounds like he's got to be a foreigner now. Go from your kindred. That's everything about security and everything that you know. It's your worldview. Go from your father's house, your mother's cooking, your family traditions. Leave them all. Where are you going to go? Where am I going to go, God? If you want me to go somewhere, tell me where you're going to go. You're going to go to a land that I will show you. Wait, I'm a planner, God. How many of y'all are planners in this room? Raise your hand. Logistical people, raise your hand. You, do, you get paid to do logistics. All right? You know about bottom lines. Sometimes God doesn't give you A to Z. Sometimes he only gives you A. And when you do A, he'll give you B. When you do B, he'll give you C. And you have to work through God's process. Remember, He's God and you're not. So I will, I will send you to a land. Now, just notice the, the sheer faith behind all of this. And he had to understand this because he was leaving safety. He was leaving familiarity. He was leaving connections and relationships and home and food and culture. He was leaving it all. Where was he going? He was going to unfamiliarity. He was going to the unknown. He was going to the unfriendly. He was even going to the unsafe. God will sometimes lead us into uncertainty where we don't have all the answers. We don't have a full-blown five-year plan. I like the way John Calvin paraphrased this. He said, I command thee to go forth with closed eyes until having renounced thy country, thou shalt have given thyself wholly to me. That's what he means when it means to follow him. Are you willing to go into the uncertainty, the unfamiliar, the unsafe? Are you willing to go into the insecure? Are you willing to go and follow him and hear his voice into that unknown? But here's the beautiful thing that happens is what happens in the next verse. That's only verse 1. Verse 2, 3, he starts mentioning promises. If you do this, Abram, I will do this. I will, and you notice this, I will make your name great. uh, uh, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will do this. I will do this. You see it on and on. Five different times he says, I will. Now notice this. It's future tense. It's imperfect verb there. It's the idea that it's not fulfilled yet. I will. Sometimes we have to go with God not even knowing yet the full impact, the full cost. But just knowing that God's called us to to that, that He will, if God guides, He will provide. Five different times He uses the word bless, blessing, bless, blessed. Now I want you to notice this. This is the word Hebrew word barak. According to Bruce Walkey, probably the foremost... Old Testament theologian today, alive in this generation, in the first 11 chapters of of Genesis, 
the word Barak is used five times. In two verses, it's used five times here in chapter 12. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that God has this wonderful idea and plan to bless Abraham if Abraham will go with God the way God wants him to go, when God wants him to go. We have to ask ourselves this question when it comes to living a life like Abram lives here. Is your God of today big enough to be trusted with your tomorrow? Is your God of today big enough to be trusted with your life tomorrow? That's something you're going to have to think about because there's going to be some times that God's going to say, you're just going to have to go, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to sacrifice, you're going to have to commit. Whatever it is that God has said to you, you're going to have to do it and you're going to do it in obedience without knowing everything. Has God spoken to you? The second question, am I willing to adjust? Am I willing to adjust because, again, am I willing to go if I don't have Z, if I only have P, if I only have M, if I only have A to C? Am I willing to go with God? One writer said it like this. It's not hard to find the will of God. The hard part is wanting to find it. Wanting to find it. It's not hard to find it. It's hard to find people who want to find it. Do you want to find God's will? Because if it means you're going to have to change, some of y'all don't want to change. You don't want to change that relationship. You don't want to change that career path. You don't want to change your attitude. You don't want to forgive that person. And God may be calling you to do that. So listen, you're just going to shut down. God might be saying no to a lifestyle that you're living. But you, no, no, no. You want to live your lifestyle and your independence in your own way and call your own shots. Listen, you're not God. Are you willing to follow God into the unknown? To allow your life to be adjusted. I love verse 4 because he really replicates in the narrator of Genesis. I really believe he's trying to point this out. If you remember from verse 1, it says, And the Lord said to Abram to go. And in verse 4, what does it say? So Abram went. You can parallel those. He uses the exact same word. God said, go. Abram went. You don't get the same effect here in, in our English language, but he uses the same word. He did exactly to the word that God said to do. Verse 5. When you look at verse 5, you see where he went. He traveled a long ways to the land of Canaan. To your offspring, I will give you this land. Finally, he arrives at this, but you've got to understand the full impact of where he is and where he's gone. If you throw a map up there, you'll see where he's come from. He's come from the land of Ur. Ur. How do you say that, Ur? You know, probably easy to spell that one, okay, and get that one down. But then, which is modern day, it was just southwest of, uh, or southeast of modern day Babylon, uh, which would be uh, Baghdad, excuse me, modern day Baghdad. But then he travels up. God didn't always give us the most direct route. Have you noticed that? Sometimes he leads us around a little bit. So that's all right. Remember, he's God and you're not. So he goes up north, up, up to a place called Haran. In fact, in chapter 11, evidently his father is actually living in Haran, and Abram lived there at some point. Now, whether he moved back to Ur, we don't really know between chapter 11 and chapter 12, so we just kind of have to have a little bit of a mystery there. But he, when he's in Haran, he picks up a few people that go with him, and so to start this nation. And so you see all of this happening. Which, by the way, Haran is near modern-day Mosul. If you watch the news, it's actually in the news these days. And then he heads south after going through Aleppo. 
Aleppo is in southern Turkey, right near the mountain range. And then he heads south along the coast in Damascus into Syria, all the way down to a place called Bethel. That's where he stops. From, from Ur to Haran, we know it's 500 miles. So let's just say it was another 500 at least that far on down to Bethel. So he goes about maybe, maybe 1,000, maybe 1,200 miles, and he does this on foot. There was no speed trains. There was no planes. There was no plane trains or automobiles. There was nothing of that, okay? All he had was his feet and camels, and that's it. And now he makes this long journey, and then all of a sudden God's voice says, Okay, stop. You've arrived. Maybe his voice sounded something like this. You have reached your destination. Your route guidance is complete. I don't know. That would be a little bit of a stretch. But whatever it was, it was a very clear voice. He had this theophany, as they call it, because God appeared to him. I want us to, to, to realize this. God may not lead us in the most direct path. God may lead us out of the comfortable, familiar grounds that we know. But where God leads us, He will provide for us. And when, He will show us the way that we're to go. Even if it's way out of the way. So the best thing we could do is do His will. No matter if we like it or don't like it, no matter if we know everything or we don't know anything about it. James chapter 1 verse 22 is a verse I think you would be most appropriate to memorize this week as we wrap up this series. The reason I have you read the word for 40 days and challenge you for 40 days is not to make you smarter, all right? Even though hopefully you are smarter. But it's to make you a doer of the word. Be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. See, a lot of people will get, uh, they'll, they'll check it off. Okay, I've read my word today. I've read the word today. I've been in the word. I did what, what Mike said to do. I, you know, check it off. No, no. You didn't do what, don't worry about what I said to do. Worry about what God has said to do. And have you adjusted your life to that? You know, when we started Grace Point, we, it was a big move for us. We were in familiar grounds. Well, we were in Africa, and Africa was a big move for us to go from Zambia, from, uh, from northeast Arkansas to Zambia and to live there. And that was a big move for us, a big adjustment. And, but when we got our feet on the ground, we were, we were loving Africa. We lived in Africa. Joshua was born in South Africa. And so it was, it was, that was life. And all of a sudden, God began to move. He said, I want you to go back to America. I want you to start a church, not just another church. I want you to start a church that from the get-go, it's going to have the world on its, on its heart and it will start other churches. So here we go back to a living room, to another living room, to a bigger living room, to a hotel conference room, to a, to a elementary school, to a high school, to our first phase, to our second phase. You're a part of the process. You might look around today and say, oh, man, this has been going a long time, but there's a story behind it. There's a leaving a land that we knew that we didn't know how it was going to end. We didn't know where it was going to go. We just knew that there was a call on our lives to do something, to be a part of something that would help start other somethings. It would be much bigger than us. And God continues to move, continues to work. And some of you, you heard God's voice, but are you going to adjust? I want you to... Meet some of ours who are hearing that call, who, uh, who are adjusting their lives accordingly. This is big stuff. This is big, big stuff for us. So I want you to listen closely to Jared and Katie as they come.
Go for it, man. Yeah. Um, so, um, came here in 2005 as our uh, youth pastor, and uh, that was uh, an incredible uh, transition for me and, and position. And um, but to be honest, my passion really never was just students. It was just it was more God put me in that context to um, just hopefully further advance his kingdom. And I've just always been really in, interested in, in, and engaged and mostly passionate about just the church. And so in 2008, um, I uh, uh, accepted the position of worship arts pastor in which I knew nothing about and took a lot of prayer on both of ours. Um, but again, um, I was passionate about the gospel advancing however God wanted me to do that. And um, in every transition in my life, um, the scripture that Jesus keeps coming back because he can't get it into my head, I guess. He knows I drift, uh, is John fifteen five. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, then you'll bear much fruit. I'll bear much fruit through you. Um, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And um, he has to constantly remind me of that truth. And um, so um, a year and a half ago... Um, a year and a half ago, I came to Mike, and I had this weird thing um, come into my heart, like past my head, into like my heart, and it was about church planting, and I did not know how to deal with it, so I came to Mike and just said, dude, I'm terrified um, of this thing. What should I do? And um, in his profound wisdom he said run away as fast and as far as you can because it is hard work and if god is calling you to it then you can't run away from it but if you can run away from it it's probably sin or you know some lofty thought of the grass is greener on the other side or some all this junk and so sort of yeah yeah i'm running dude i'm running <laughs> and so been running i was running for a few months and and then um came to my wife, Katie, some of you all know I'm married to her. And, uh, um, <laughs> and so I uh, came to my wife and I said, this, I can't shake this thing, this thing that's happening. I don't know what to do with this. And you, the look that I mean, she gave us. I was like, me. are you crazy? <laughs> I was nine months pregnant with our fourth baby. And isn't that every mommy pregnant women's dream to, for your husband to say, honey, um, I'm going to quit my job and I might be moving somewhere. I might not be. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> She's my realist. And she knows that sometimes if I just have a bad burrito, I have a complete, I just want to go and save the world or do some kind of crazy thing. And so she's my realist, but she's, she's very faithful. And, but she also knows like she needs to push back on me in these things. And so I get these weird ideas and I'm like, yeah, this is a weird idea. This just doesn't make any sense. Um, and so that's, that spring comes and it's still haunting me and pestering me. And then we, uh, we go to a conference in Orlando, our staff and our spouses. And that was all I needed to know. It's in Orlando and staff and spouses and no kids. Like I'm there. And I didn't know anything about the conference, uh, even though Mike, had sent multiple emails. I didn't know. I didn't know. didn't care. Like, yeah, man, I'm there. And so the whole conference is about, lo and behold, church planting. And we just look at each other and we just say, crap. Like, <laughs> that's a Christian cuss word. Yeah. Okay. You're allowed to say that. 
And it was just this, the first moment that we thought this might be God. And, and it was just the, 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 those who were speaking and it was just, God was wrecking me over this, even all the way until this just ordained moment with Katie in the nursing mom's room. Yeah, we, we took Kingston with us. And so throughout the conference, I would go in the room and I met, you know, other moms that were there for this conference. And one woman in particular, her name was Holly and, um, she had five kids. And so we got to talking about a lot of mutual things and she said they were there, um, because the Lord had called them from a huge church that they were doing youth ministry um, into church planning. And so she begins to tell me, and I, I said, this is crazy. My husband says he wants to plan a church. And I said, I need, I need more information. Like, tell me what your story is. And just through her talking about how, um, you know, her feeling gifting towards the, the youth girls and how she felt like that was her calling. And then the Lord began to show her that he not only gifted her for that, but he's gifted her for many different things. And that she was able and um as long as she would be willing and say yes then the lord would show her her place in this whole journey and through that i just was like oh like okay i can kind of warming up to the idea but you know um through the whole process when jared first told me i i felt like this unraveling um i recently began uh i learned how to knit and so i'm making projects and you know you have your yarn and your knitting needles and you start your project and sometimes you miss a stitch, you have to take some out. Sometimes the whole thing looks awful, so you start over. But I realized the unraveling was not like this ruined project. But and the unraveling that the Lord was starting to do was to create something new and to create something mm-hmm. different. It's the same yarn. It's the same knitting needles. It's just something different. And so in meeting Holly, um, it was just such a great moment for me as as the wife to have that affirmation as well through another mom who'd been through the same thing. Yeah. It's just this very amazing ordained moment. And, you know, we were talking about God's journey is not always like our straight line is this and God's straight line is this. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and every, in the worship ministry and, and, and this, I, I just felt this unworthiness of this calling. That's what I was probably wrestling with the most is, is shame and, you know, of, of sin and I'm not good enough and how much, you know, how's all this going to happen? And, and, um, and so, you know, I just sought some, some more wise counsel, um, uh, from, I have a mentor, his name's Alan Wimberly and he's in teaching my boy Boston right now. And one of the things he said was, uh, he said, don't, don't for a second steal from God what he wants to do through you because of shame. Don't for a second, let shame keep the kingdom of God from moving. Uh, through you. And, uh, and so I, I was like, okay. And so, um, so then summer hits mm-hmm. and you interrupt anytime you want to here. Um, but in <clears throat> summer hits and, uh, I go on sabbatical and sabbatical was planned like a year in advance. And I just thought, I just want to go see what God's doing in, in these other contexts and churches and in the globe and just see how God's reaching artists and these churches and and so it was weird, again, God orchestrating all of these churches lining up perfectly. And so I got to be in that and see God work. And it's like gasoline on this little match, right? <laughs> and, um, but still, even, even still, through all of that, I still thought, God, I don't know if, if this is you or if this is me. Help me. Help me with that. And uh, so I, um, 
the last thing before sabbatical ended, I decided to go to a cabin, this secluded Lockwood, Missouri, uh, you know, hour and a half down the road. I had my bags packed and I was like ready for God to come down and like the, the Godhead three in one, all of us in the cabin together. And, um, I was ready for this. And then I felt this, this urge, this to, to stop. So right before I pull on the interstate, I stop and I, I really felt like, am I supposed to go back? Am I not supposed to go? Is this, and finally, and I don't, I'm not the guy who hears God in the burning bushes and audible voices and all of this, but very clearly God said, again, John 15, five, I am God. You are not apart from me. You can do nothing. So everything you think is happening and is about to happen that you, that's, it's not your decision. I'm God and you're not. I said, okay. And so I'm just sitting here, okay. And then he said, all right, let's go. And that drive for an hour and a half, y'all, was like people were driving by me. I was going 60 down the interstate, bawling my eyes out, talking to my imaginary friend. Like people <laughs> thought I was crazy. And God and I are having this conversation and he just showers this love and mercy over me. He says, I'm not ashamed of you. Your worthiness is not found in what you can do. Your worthiness is given from me. You know that, that family that I've, that, that, that I've blessed you with? That's because I love you. You know that job, that church you're part of? It's because I love you. And yeah, you know this weird thing that you thought was a bad burrito for the last year and a half? That's me. That's me. And I'm going to do this through you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't care what you think it's going to be. And I'm going to tell you exactly what you need today, and I'm not going to tell you anymore. Mm. And uh, so I'm just like, and just imagine what I'm thinking the cabin's going to be like. Like, yeah, this is going to be. And I get to the cabin, and the, for the next 36 hours, he is completely silent. I mean, I'm on my face. I'm asking. I'm seeking. Completely silent. Kind of frustrated. And, uh, but in hindsight, I know what he was doing and telling yeah. me. He was saying, you don't need to know anymore. Yeah. Like, you don't need to know anymore. I'm calling you to this, and, and, and this is all you need today. Yeah. Um, so I get back from this, and I come to my wife, and I'm like, it's happening. Like, this is God. I had this moment. And again, she has this look like, I didn't have that moment. Here's a dirty <laughs> diaper, you know. Welcome back. Um, and, uh, but, I knew, uh, but God very clearly told me, he said, I'm going to bless this unity, and I'm going to I'm going to tell Katie in my time and when she's ready and prepared and you wait. So I waited, I waited and I waited. And finally, um, the week before Christmas, um, you know, God just, um, tells Katie it's time. And she says, okay, I trust you. I trust the Lord. And so we go to Mike and drop the bomb. (laughs) And what, but what was incredible was it wasn't a bomb to him. Like he said, we started talking and God had been really specifically in the last year and a half or two, like burdening Mike's heart is at the same time, God's burdening my heart. And I didn't realize that and recognize that. And, and so we just got to have this amazing conversation. And, and this hits very close to home as, as, as many of y'all have been in the church for a long time. I mean, I feel like Jared has been my right arm in the ministry for so much of it uh, at Grace Point. Ten years here, I'm a 13 years as a church, and uh, nearly, I guess nearly 14. And so, I, I married you guys, uh, and 
you were a part-time youth pastor driving up from uh, uh, from Washita. You know, it was it was like, and then you became a full-time youth pastor, and then worship pastor, and then a navigator, which is one of our leading pastors in our in our whole thing. At the same time, I'm, I'm looking at this, going, I get it, God, I get it. You didn't build Grace Point to be its own little kingdom for its own little self. That we've always said from the beginning, as you have called us to start Grace Point 14 years ago that we're a church about helping other churches start. And so I, my, my takeaway from all of this is that this is probably the most unintentional, intentional thing that we've ever done. I didn't, it's intentional because this is what God has called us to in the beginning, and we've done it internationally, and we've done it in Boston, and we're helping out in St. Louis and things like that. But this is like close to home. This is here. This is right now. This is us. And that God is leading us to this. Oh, but the unintentional part is I didn't want it to be Jared. <laughs> you know, I can find some other people to go, you know, or something like that. But uh, not Jared. Jared's my right arm. And so it's, it's, it's one of those things that it's, it's tough. It's bitter. It's sweet. It's, it's beautiful and tragic at all at the same time. And as we work through this, and, and I, can, I can say this, Grace Point is going to go on. And we, it's going to be a beautiful thing as we see a sister church born out of us. Some of you will be called to go. All of us will be called to support in prayer and financial and otherwise. And so I look forward. This is not a competition thing. And some of y'all in the business world, I even heard of it in church world, where there's non-compete clauses or whatever to your contract. It's not that way at all. This is about the kingdom of God and how we're going to be the same but different and how we're going to reach in the same community because you're going to be around here. And so, yeah, we're going to start immediately looking for uh, uh, that worship arts pastor. And you can be praying, obviously, for our family as we look for that, that position. It's a very key position, as you can imagine. Uh, but we're also going to pour in much prayer into them. And I want to be the first one to pray for them. But what would you add? Just that I love this church and I love the leadership and the people. And this, this isn't happening tomorrow. Like this yeah. is going to be a... a a slow thing. And that, if you come back in six months from now, he's still here. It's because he's, it's the part of the plan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and just that, again, there's just not the spirit of divisiveness, but this spirit of like, yeah, God's kingdom is greater than anything else that we can possibly do or desire as far as growing us. And I love this church so much that this is going to be handled right. And, and, and just, uh, I'm going to make sure that it's, it's, it's an incredible going in my area of worship and arts and all that kind of stuff that, that God is still working in mighty ways through our people. And so, um, awesome. anyway. Let me, let me pray for them. You pray with me uh, as we lift them up. This is the first of many times that we'll pray for them. Father, I stand with, with dear, dear friends, colleagues in ministry and work, Lord, people that I love deeply and dearly. And that this congregation has rallied behind and followed the leadership of. And Lord, we ultimately follow your leadership. You are our God and we are your people. And Lord, where you send, we will go. What you call us to do, we will do. And if you don't give us the A to Z today and you just give us the A, then Lord, we'll take it. 
and we'll follow you to the land that you will show us. And so, Father, I, I lift up Katie and Jared and, Lord, their children and the generations that will uh, be impacted through this new church plant and, and all the unknowns. And, Lord, we trust and we believe. And we give them to you. And we bless you, Jesus, in your name's sake. Amen. Give them a hand as we stand with them. Where do you go from here? How do you end a message with that? Again, God took me to Genesis 12 um, about four weeks ago. And so this has been marinating in my heart for some time. I said there were three questions when you hear God speak. Are you willing to adjust? And then number three, have I paused to worship? That may not be the one that you would have thought. It might have been, have I packed my bags? Or have I calculated the cost? But have I paused to, wor- to worship? Because a beautiful thing happens in this narrative of story that, that unfolds here. When you look at verse 6 and 7, look at throw that verse up on the screen, ver- these two verses. It says, Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem, in the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land and the Lord appeared to Abram and he said to your offspring. The Lord appeared to him. There's a theophany that happens here and he appears, he shows up in his presence and he said to your offspring, to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, I will give this land. You've arrived. I told you I would lead you. I told you I would guide you. I told you I would make your name great. I told you I would bless you. I told you I would would give you. You've arrived. This is it. Put your stake in the ground. Build a home. Start a business. Wait, wait, wait. Before you do that, notice what Abram did. So he built there an altar to the Lord. Who had appeared to him? God appeared. God said, this is it. This is it. And he stopped and he built an altar. Before he built a home, before he did anything else, he built an altar and he worshiped. When God speaks, stop. When you adjust and God works, stop and worship. We're going to stop and worship today. We're going to end with with communion. We're going to end with times of offerings and giving. We're going to end with singing. We're going to end with this whole idea that God is in this. This is about him. And there's one more verse that I, 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 don't, I don't want you to miss because when you look at the sequence of this, God spoke, Abram adjusted his life, God delivered him, delivered on his promises, and Abram worshipped. When you go to verse 8, it says, From there he moved to the hill country in the east of Bethel. Bethel, again, meaning house of God. And he pitched his tent. He makes himself a home after he builds an altar. But then notice what else happens. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Second altar. Second altar. Worship has got to be a part of our response to God. And when you come to the table today, and there's there's tables all around the landing out there, so don't just come down here. Maybe the closest table may be right behind you. But there's three tables across the front. There's tables on that landing area back there. Go to those tables. Take that, take that bread in your hand. Go as an individual, go as a couple, and hold that in your hand. The bread in one hand, and think about the body of Christ, the life of Christ, how Christ heard the voice of the Father to go to the earth as the incarnated Son of God 
and how he spilt his blood and hold that cup and reflect on the blood of Christ and how he gave himself fully and completely for us. Also, across the front at each of the tables is an offering basket. We're not going to pass the offering. We want you to bring your offerings. Just bring it, lay it in a basket, and just reflect on what God has said and done. And then put that offering there as an act, as an offering, as a worship sacrifice to Him. I'm going to pray, and then this is your time. Father God, thank you for the calling. Thank you for your clear voice on Katie and Jared's life, on Lori in my life 14 years ago. Thank you on the lives of the people in this room right now that you're speaking to, you're dealing with. In that gentle, still voice, Lord, I pray that you will speak clearly and that we will respond and adjust our lives and then we will worship you in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name I pray.